everyone, and welcome to the Periodic Table, episode 19. Next year, he'll do Iron Man 2. Recorded April 5th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back to the Periodic Table, episode 19, which means we talk about element number 19, the element with the atomic mass of 19, which is potassium. Elemental potassium is a very soft, silvery white alkali metal that oxidizes rapidly in air and is very reactive with water. Potassium, interestingly enough, is never found free in nature, but can only be uh, obtained by electrolyzing either potassium chloride or potassium hydroxide. So there you go. There's our science for the week. Yay! <laughs> that's that's a fun element. I don't know about y'all, but I know uh, my high school science teacher did that. You know, took a little tiny like piece-sized piece of potassium, put it put it in a giant thing of water, yeah. and we had a we, we all watched it. We saw a video of somebody throwing a kilogram of sodium uh, into a pond and said pond erupted it was cool <laughs> I mean, that's oh, wow. a lot of sodium i never had a science teacher do that i just had a shop teacher put a uh, that dropped a two by four into a, a table saw see if he could break a window <laughs> and we were disappointed the year he did it for us we didn't break a window how disappointing yes. not enough time <laughs> Well, maybe I should introduce these people who are talking. Uh, starting from, uh, I think, the first one who spoke was Mr. Sean Kaiba. Welcome back, Sean. Hey, it's good to be here. I'm uh, always glad to be on this show. Uh, it's it's a nice departure from our normal highbrow stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, highbrow. Uh, so, anyway, um, this this is the an exact... Uh, uh, replication uh the same lineup as we had last week the two tightwad techs and then two listeners who got roped into being hosts and uh the first one is mr jim beeson the redneck geek hey jim hey i would like to be the first one to wish everybody a happy gopher broke day what does that mean i don't know i just found this holidayinsights.com and it tells what every day what holiday is for every day of the year so today is gopher broke day Okay, so put it all on black. <laughs> <laughs> and, and night star, Mr. Chuck Jolly. How's it going, Chuck? Oh, I'm doing good. I have to say, this is the highlight of my week. <laughs> you lead a sad, sad life. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Don't we all? Now, I, I, you know, uh, this is this is my uh, this was my Friday. Yes. Now, uh, so I, I'm going to jump in. I didn't put anything in the warm-up, but I'm going to jump in and, and hijack the warm-up. So uh, I, I just have to say, and I'm, I'm sure I've said it many times in the past, I love working for education. And Mark, this weekend was the weekend. Uh, if you don't know, uh, it's very typical, at least here in Texas, to build in a couple of uh, bad weather days. So in case we get like two snowflakes hit the ground or something like that, uh, you know, every school you know, within sight. Snowmageddon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texans are really, yeah, averse to any kind of snow, but, uh, we didn't have any of those this winter. It was a very mild winter. So, uh, four day weekend. Yeah. I was telling somebody earlier, uh, today that we had exactly 15 minutes of snowfall this year where I live, uh, one day for about 15 minutes, 
maybe a quarter of an inch of snow fell. Uh, five hours later, it was gone. And that was winter. Walking in yeah. a winter wonderland. Yeah, we didn't even get that where I'm at. So uh, I'm not complaining now because, yeah, those, I mean, those days are still built into the schedule. So, right. and of course, we're going to take them off. So, and of course, you might wonder why Texas would even have snow days. And they're not really snow days, they're ice days. Because when you get this far south, the precipitation falls as freezing rains hits the ground and turns into a roller skating rink. And um, yeah, 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 ice storms are so much more common than actual snow. Yeah, and it's it's not that it's unsafe to drive on it or or what you cannot drive on it, and nobody here has snow chains or anything like that. Uh, so naturally, we all get out and uh, drive down the road at full on seventy miles an hour, acting like there's nothing wrong. And <laughs> and in and, and your neck of the woods, Mark, you think it's bad trying in a city like Dallas or Houston? Yeah, yeah, I, I've. Um, I have a friend who's a tow truck driver and he says literally sometimes he can make his whole year in a weekend when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I but I, I love it. it. And you know, Dallas is like that. It, it's funny. I've seen so many times where, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple inches of snow will fall and the entire, I mean, we're talking one of the largest cities in the United States and it just shuts down. Yeah. Nobody goes to work the next day. I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, you would have thought 10 feet of snow just covered the entire city. Uh, now I did some growing up in Colorado, so I kind of have that perspective, but, uh, it's, it's funny to see a couple inches of snow hit here and, and everything stops and nobody can go to work. And, uh, it's just wild where, you know, out there in Colorado, that wouldn't even, it wouldn't be enough to even be an excuse for anybody not to go anywhere. You know, and if you live in Southern California where you never get snow, you get high, high speed pursuit days. You know, some guy in a Bronco <laughs> right. is being followed by the police. Every, the whole city shuts down. Everybody stays in and watches television. That day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they just, you know, collectively think, you know, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Let's start a riot. There you go. So, <laughs> well. Here, we don't even have to wait on the snow. They mentioned snow, and there's a raid on the grocery store for milk and bread. Yes, right. And, and <laughs> Everybody, there's like none. You know, if you're not there in the first 20 minutes, you're not getting anything. Yeah, and plywood to board up your windows for the hurricane. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, enough weather talk. Uh, uh, the first thing I had, well, first, before we do that, any... Uh, any personal stuff anybody want to talk about? Any Anything interesting in your own life, or was the snow talk as far as we get, can get? That's, that's as interesting as we get. Okay. <laughs> well, let's, I, let's watch the chat room just clear out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first story that I have in the notes was uh, a follow-up on something we talked about last week with the, the whole Trayvon Martin um, hoodie case. Um, and this is this is NBC. Um, they said it was a a mistake. Then they said it was a production error. Then they said it was a poor decision. There've been several different versions of this story, but uh, essentially, the, and the link I have in the notes, and I'll put it in the chat room for the people there. Um, and the reason I chose this one is because it has the the full transcript of of what the man said and the edited version. So uh, Zimmerman, the, the guy who shot Trayvon Martin, um, the, the, the way it was aired on NBC, on, on the Today Show, was he says, 
The guy looks like he's up to no good. He looks black. That was how it was aired. Now, the actual conversation went like this. The guy looks like he's up to no good or he's on drugs or something. It's raining and he's just walking around looking about. This dispatcher says, okay, this guy, is he black or white or Hispanic? And Zimmerman, Zimmerman says, he looks black. <laughs> what was right. aired was, the guy looks like he's up to no good. He looks black. Now, how could you possibly see that as anything other than trying to make news? They say it was an accident or a poor editing choice or they were trying to condense the thing down. That's a whole big load of crap. They were trying to make right. the guy look like a racist killer. Yeah, well, that's that's where this story has gone from day one. I didn't follow this real closely from the beginning. I just it caught my eye when uh, they first said that it was a white guy that killed a black guy, um, you know, and they made it sound like it was seemingly for no reason at all. And, and then as all of this has gone on, and it, it's funny because this this story seems to be getting more news outlets in trouble than anything else because they're pandering to this this mob mentality. Um, and, and you know, the mob was all up in arms when they thought it was a white guy versus a black guy. And then they came out that that's not the case. And so it just seems that they're trying to everybody involved is trying to direct this in the direction right. that they've already made out their mind where they want it to go. Please, please, please and, make this a racist oriented murder. Please make this a hate crime. Please, please, please. Right. When, you know, quite honestly, um, you know, I think there's probably, you know, there's probably some of that actually involved, you know? Um, but let's, you know, if, if it had been a white guy dressed the same way, I think that guy probably would have reacted quite the same way. Anybody that was dressed like a thug running, walking through his, whether he's a thug or not, if you, if he's dressed like that, then you've got this short man syndrome guy with a gun. Uh, I worked with a bunch don't of them. walk around in the rain looking into windows. That's not normal behavior. No, it's not. And, you know, and this guy's, you know, neighborhood watch, you know, uh, captain and all this stuff. So I, I saw, it, it seems to me that. Uh, what is the what is the saying, Mark? That uh, sometimes the the easiest explanation is the right one, right. or the most obvious one. Um, and it seems to me that the most obvious explanation is you had a guy who the neighborhood watch captain who was overzealous in in his duties. Uh, he probably got a, a, a great sense of uh, you know being bigger than he was, carrying a gun around. Um, and then you had this uh, this young kid who probably you know may or may not have been up to no to any good, but I would not be surprised at all that uh, neighborhood watch guy kind of you can hear in the nine one one tapes. If you listen to the nine one one tapes, you get a pretty good idea of what happened. He started to pursue him, then he stopped, then he leaves the side of the of the kid. Then after that, you don't hear anything in the tapes anymore until you hear some of the third party tapes where you hear somebody screaming for help. But I could easily see where uh, Trayvon Martin kid gets fed up with this guy and decides, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to teach this guy a lesson and doesn't realize that he's carrying a gun. Right. Um, so then, you know, he, he starts beating back on him and jumps him and yeah, you know. circles back and jumps him. Trayvon Martin may not have, uh, necessarily meant any serious harm to the guy, but, uh, but here you got a short fuse, uh, you know, guy carrying the gun, little, little man carrying the gun that, yeah, pulls it in and ends up shooting him. And so it's a situation where two people were acting stupid and, uh, you know, it went, a, it went a really bad way, but. 
you know, the media and everybody else, all these uh, groups that are trying to uh, make this bigger than what it is. Uh, it's just, I hate it. And I hate watching the media pander to all of that. Yeah. What bothers me most again, and, and the story, this is not about reliving the whole Trayvon Martin thing, but the news, um, uh, portrayal of it is, is somebody at NBC, somebody high up, not the, not the guy who, who did the editing, but some uh, editorial person who allowed this crap to go on the air should be fired publicly because there's no yes. way this was a mistake. It just doesn't fly that this was a well, mistake. And even if it was a mistake, I mean, honestly, if that's your job, how do you let a, how do you let one that big go by? I mean, if you do, you should, you shouldn't, you should be working at PBS or something. I mean, you should not be working for one of the largest, uh, you know, stations, uh, out there. And so they issued one of these non, non apology apologies. Um, and said, you know, we're, there's an internal investigation. We're looking into it. You know, all this lawyer speak, they, they should have come out. Whoever the president of NBC is should come out and say, yeah, that was a bad thing. Sorry about that. It doesn't reflect our overall integrity. It was a one-time thing and it will not happen again. Yeah. You remember back in the good old days when news was actually like, you know, reporters had some integrity that, you know, every, no, I don't remember that. So. You don't remember. Well, it's long. It's actually probably before our times. But, you know, if they reported something inaccurately, that's exactly what they would do. They would come back and say, we made a mistake. We retract that information, you know, and we apologize. Yeah. And you, you just don't get that anymore. And plus, it's just colossally stupid when these 911 tapes were released to everybody. Everybody had access to the raw data. It's not like they were. Um, not going to be called out on this. There was no possibility. Oh, yeah. of well, that. they're uh, they're on Wikipedia. If you, if you uh, if you Google Trayvon Martin and you go to the Wikipedia page, you have all the nine one one tapes right there. You can listen to them for yourself. Okay, moving on. I'm done with that story. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm good. Y'all said everything I would have said. So right. yep. <laughs> the next one is one of those um, things you hear about in Lifetime movies, but uh, you don't think actually happens. Um, we mentioned. Um, Tuesday, and whenever we did the the Tightwad Tech Show uh, about uh, the storms in the area, if anybody ever actually listens to that show. But anyway, uh, there were a lot of storms, and in a little town not far from where I live, called Forney, Texas, um, there was a grandmother and her three children were, you know, I'm trying to, I tried to explain this to somebody earlier, um, who doesn't doesn't live here. And, and they were like, why don't you have storm shelters if storms are that common? Well, the, the geography around here just doesn't allow that. The ground is, is very porous and very expansive. It moves around a lot, and it will eat anything you try to put underground. So very few people actually have storm shelters, even though we're in Tornado Alley. So we, you know, my family on uh, Tuesday night was hunkered down in a central hallway. I mean, literally, it was... It was one of those things. We, we had all the family in a hallway kind of uh, huddled up together while the, the uh, emergency warning sirens went off and while the skies went black and there was hail falling. So it was, you know, it was one of those sort of things. So there's, there were a number of tornadoes there saying it might even be record setting for the number spawned by this one supercell. So not far from here in Forney, Texas, a grandmother found herself um, with no place to go. 
So she grabbed her kids and she dumped in her big porcelain bathtub, which they say is a good place to go. Those things are cast iron underneath. They're heavy. Um, and so they, the storm came and basically ripped the roof off of their house, turned their house into to kindling. Um, and the, the 18 year old, 18 month old baby that was with them started to get sucked away. And the grandmother was literally having a tug of war with mother nature over this kid. And that's had, she had, awesome. the kid, had the kid by an ankle and was holding on to him. Um, and she said she'd start to pull him back in and then a gust, the gust of wind would, would threaten to yank him back. And so she describes this thing going on for a long time. Literally it was probably a minute at the most tornadoes don't stick around very long, but I'm sure to her, it felt like forever. But in the end, everybody was safe and, you know, clearly they need a new place to live and they're, you know, a little traumatized, but, um, it was just one of those neat stories. A woman literally outfought mother nature. That's awesome. You know, and you got to really think, uh, with all the tornadoes we had roll through and all the damage that was caused, there were zero fatalities and how many situations had to play out like that. Uh, and you know, if you're here locally in the Dallas area, you, uh, you got a lot of that from the local media. I mean, we, we got more than our fair share of coverage. And so you heard story after story like that, where people, I mean, literally, uh, it didn't take much for just at least one fatality to happen. So many things had to happen just right. Yeah. So pretty, pretty amazing. And you know, the best she could do was get a thick blanket and jump in the tub and it worked out for her. Yeah. Okay. Any other Yay, comment, guys? <laughs> See, that's why we had you to the show for your insouciant commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting well, for the good podcast. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Enough I, I'm the, still learning how to be a podcaster, so you know. Enough for the human interest story. Um, we had a couple of Florida stories. Every time I go out looking for weird news, Florida comes up. Where's yeah. Hank? Yeah, so who do you know? So in Vero, in, in fact, there are two stories this week from Vero Beach, Florida. It's amazing. <laughs> something, something in the water there. Um, James Raymond went into a restaurant, I uh, Jalisco um, restaurant uh, in, uh, well, they give the address, but no point in mentioning that. So um, the, there's a drunken, the guy's drunk. He goes into the bathroom to do what you do in a bathroom and stays in there a long time. So the, the, the merchant, the manager, whatever calls the police, they go in and the dude is asleep in mid dump, essentially. <laughs> I mean, how drunk okay. do you have to be to pass out during that? But Elvis did it all the time. <laughs> oh, well, no. and, and for the same reason too, a drunken stupor, you know, uh, right. So, Maybe it was hard work. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, sometimes you get really tired and you need a little break. Uh, okay. But this is the one that kills me, Mark, because it says, uh, and I never thought we were going to hear this twice. Yes. Yes. It's, the, but, it's a story uh, we've already done. Yes. Right. Is it the same guy? It's the it's not, same guy. <laughs> oh, I didn't think it was the same guy. Wow. Okay. So this is the guy that we reported what, probably a couple of months ago. Yes. That uh, got arrested. What did he get arrested for? For pooping in the parking lot? Well, no. Or did, he ran. Oh, he got away from the police. But yeah, he was at a gas station. He took a. Apparently, he's he's indiscriminate about about where he does this. So yeah, we he, we did a story about this guy, and that's why I love this story. So at least he upgraded. He was indoors this time. 
So the right. police came and they, you know, they, I don't know, used a very long stick or something and poked him and said, hey, buddy, wake up. Guy wakes up and kind of goes a little nuts. Well, clearly he's already a little nuts and runs out of the bathroom, leaving his drawers behind. <laughs> and he runs out through the restaurant and down the street dragging wow. you know his half a loaf with him <laughs> and his boxers and pants still in the stall um and the police suspect he may have been drunk yes yeah. <laughs> boy does alcohol alcohol never did that to me <laughs> i'm sorry but <laughs> and i i mean i you know back in my military days i had i had nights where i blacked out but i never did anything close to resembling that that you remember <laughs> <laughs> There's a right <laughs> yeah i can only trust the reports of my friends but i never heard of uh, anything like that <laughs> okay so all right that the 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 pooper scooper bandit from florida uh, wins again that's <laughs> 52 years old apparently he's got moves to be 52 years old Oh yeah, but the pictures of him—he looks like he's in his seventies. Yeah, yeah. He's he's lived hard. Okay, so <sighs> the the next thing I have here, I'm gonna jump in the order a little bit because uh, this goes right along with with crazy things. This is one of those um, every now and then. You say I like to write clever um, show t titles, headlines for these things whenever I can. Every now and then, I run across one that I just couldn't do better, you know, and the, the, the man chokes a goat one was, was one I just couldn't do better. This one, this is the actual headline as it was written in the Huffington post sombrero boxing glove clad drunk man jumps on cop car. <laughs> what? Wait, let me read. I got to read that again. Yeah. Sombrero boxing glove clad drunk man jumps on cop car. Wow. So Jesse James <laughs> Thomas. And you gotta you gotta check out the link in the show notes. You, you have you gotta to see fix. this man. You have to see this man. All right, I'm going over so now. He he's wearing a sombrero and one boxing glove <laughs> and slobbering drunk. Runs oh, and no. jumps jumps on top of, like on the roof of a a, a cop car. And he's shouting his name. He's shouting, my name is Jesse James Thomas. <laughs> hey, where do you find one boxing glove? Um, well, he's got to make sure the other hand is free for his beer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's or, it. Yeah, for other things. Or whatever. Um, yeah, and so he, he jumps up screaming his name. My name is Jesse James Thomas. And then runs away. And surprisingly... The police decided to chase him. I, I don't really know why they were thinking that was a good idea, <laughs> but they caught him and they arrested him. So there you go. That's and he's he's giving me the evil eye. I have to close this tab. So that story's over. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of things, Mark. One, I, I'm just starting to realize just from you know we we cover so many stories in this show that pretty much if you're around the edges of the country, yeah, that. That that's crazyville. Crazy I mean, we're people talking, like beaches, apparently. 
Yeah, because you know you you hardly you don't hear a whole lot about this stuff coming out of like Ohio and Indiana and stuff like it's Florida, California, uh, you know the Gulf Coast states. Uh, yeah, just you know, kind of draw a line around the edge of the United States, and that's where all this stuff <laughs> seems to happen. Well, and especially the southern United States because they have more warm days throughout the year in order to accomplish these tasks. Well, see, here's what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the. Uh, the tornadoes here in Texas pick them all off, so they don't live long enough to be stupid. <laughs> well, but you got a lot of hurricanes coming through Florida, so how do you oh, okay. account for that? I don't know. It was it was my best try at it. But uh, <laughs> you, uh, okay. if you're listening to this after the fact, you must go to elementopi.com and click on that story and look at the picture. You you have to. In fact, I may use that picture as the logo art for this show instead of the, uh, the periodic table logo. Because that is just too darn good. Maybe I would use like the picture as a logo art going forward. <laughs> I really would like yeah, to have the know. picture as like the block page at our school. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your content filter. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That would stop them. <laughs> You know, Can you, you remember, imagine? You remember back in the '90s, stereograms. How would you like to be staring at one of those dots, and that face comes out of the? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, moving right along, where was I? Um, this is one of those things where you have to ask yourself: Is this justice? So this is sort of serious. This is from the LA Times blog. Um, a judge overturns a man's murder conviction on a technicality 27 years later. Wow. So a man from uh, Los Angeles County, trying to find his name, O'Connell. What's the name? I lost it in the, th anyway, Frank O'Connell. There it is. Frank O'Connell was convicted of murdering his uh, girlfriend in 1985. In 2012, a judge reviewing the case said that the police, uh, the prosecutors had made some procedural errors. Basically, they didn't, um, they left out some evidence that the judge thought might have swayed the jury's case. And in, in, in the U.S., you're not allowed to leave out anything. You can't, you can't hold anything back. So there was some evidence uh, that uh, um, implicated somebody else roughly equally as strongly as this man. And so the judge said that uh, because of that, because they didn't follow the proper procedure, we have to nullify this, and and it's over. So you know, last week we talked about a woman who was a, a, acquitted of something, or all the charges were dropped, and it never actually happened. This is a man who spent 27 years on in prison. I started to say on death row, but they don't do that in, in California. In prison for murder, right? Um, you know what. Is it justice that he got away? Or is there any justice in this at all? If he was truly innocent, no. if there, if he was truly innocent, we've taken away. He's fifty-four years old, fifty-five years old. We took away literally half his life. Um, and now let him go. That's not justice. And if he there's actually more... was guilty, the fact that we let him go is not justice. Yeah, that's it, what I was going to say. There's no, there's no right side to this coin at all. Yeah. I mean, it is closer to justice if he actually did it because he actually. You know, got some punishment, maybe not. Okay. Well, that's system. true because his um, his sentence, his original sentence, was twenty five years to life. Right. So I guess if he did it technically, I mean, he'd be, you know, he's in the parole zone. Right. Yeah. He's he could be he could, which I think is interesting though. 
he must not, there, there must have been a reason that he wasn't parole, paroled at 25 years. That Two years ago, he could have. Well, you know, parole boards are, are, are pretty tough, though. I mean, uh, that's, that's not necessarily uh, the case. I mean, he could have just been quietly doing his time and not really done much of anything, but because uh, it seems like every time you see that, it's it's you know, if you want to get uh, paroled somewhat on the earlier side, you have to have been like you know, uh, converting other prisoners to Christ right. and and teaching them how to get degrees and stuff like that. You have to go like above and beyond. Yeah, got to be a trustee and all that. So, you know, right. it's just one of those things where, yeah, as an American, I'm sort of required to believe that we have the best legal system on the planet that I, I have to do that to be able to sleep at night because it's my legal system. But when I read things like this, it, it's I'm stunned because there is, there's just no good to this story. And, well, and this is the kind of stuff that, I mean, that kind of goes back to, uh, uh, you know, what's kind of driving the whole Trayvon Martin uh, deal is a lot of people have lost trust in the legal system. And so when they see that situation uh, go down, they don't have faith that justice is actually going to be served in that situation. So they feel a need to step up and, and you know, make sure that it does somehow. Um, you know, you see it over and over again. I misspoke. He, he, he didn't kill his girlfriend. He c killed a man over his girlfriend. So just okay. be technically accurate that I was skimming the article. And, and, and I wonder if his girlfriend is still uh, waiting on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how romantic you murdered a man uh, i'll wait for you forever you know i used to think when uh, or i still do anytime i drive by an overpass where it says you know joni loves chachi or whatever i thought oh how sweet they immortalized their love in krylon um <laughs> and this is even worse you know people who commit crimes for for love what what good does that do anybody? Okay, enough about that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so this next one, it's it's funny and sad all at the same time. Now, um, this is, I'm going to set it up before I tell you the headline, okay? This okay. is a, a Russian immigrant living in Australia, okay? So, uh, doesn't speak English very well. And, you know, Australians have a distinctive accent, okay? Uh, calls a flower shop to uh, order some flowers for a graveside service. And the flowers are beautiful. Everybody agrees. Even the people who are mad say the flowers are beautiful. The uh, card, however, says Rast in Peas, R-A-S-T, in P-E-A-S, Rast in Peas, Auntie Josie, Love Jim, Carol, Rob, Dennis, Ronan, Undenfumbly. <laughs> that's, wow. That's what the card says. So this Russian immigrant, think about the way an Australian would say that. Rest in peace makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you have to say it with the accent for that right. to really hit home. If you don't, if you don't speak the language very well with the accent, rest in peace actually sounds about right. Um, <laughs> and and the 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 flower shop owner is refusing to apologize or anything and say, look, if you can't speak clearly. That's not my problem. My job, I sell flowers. I'm not in the card business. 
and and I and the again the 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 link will be in the show notes, and I'll you'll be able to see the pictures. The the card is terribly handwritten. It's ugly. Um, oh yeah, that's horrible. And it looks like it was written on just like a piece of printer paper that was just like t- you know pulled out and torn in half. Um, and at the at the bottom of it are X's and O's. X O X O. No, but it's not even like that. It's not X O X O. It's X X X O O O. So. So you can you can see he said something like put some X's and O's down right. there or something, yeah. yeah. Or love from the family. No, I can see that's that's a that's a personal flourish that they decided to put in there, right? Um, <laughs> wow. Now I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I, I can't even say that. I started to say I'm sure that years from now they'll look back on this and laugh, but probably not, because you know they're they're sad. They just came from the funeral. They're on the way to the burial. So they show up in the hearse with the whole procession, the whole thing, and they get there, and there's this beautiful sprig of flowers with Rastin Pays written on it. <laughs> oh, no. But see, th- now that's where I go the other way, because I'm like, come on, really? Is that really th- that damaging, you know? Big deal. So, you know, if I looked at that, if I, that, I would figure that the person at the flower ch- shop is making, you know, six bucks an hour, probably didn't graduate high school. It just, just you know, didn't know how to write, literally. And, and so uh, the the... The the employee writes it, the delivery boy takes it, delivers it to the the funeral service uh, uh, home, who takes the flowers, delivers it to the gravesite, and nobody any point in the line said this doesn't look quite right. They just put it there and display it, and it takes the family to get there and read that. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, I can see that one again. I'm going to have to defend the florist because. Come on, you deliver 50, 50 of these things a day. Do you even ever yeah. even glance at any of those cards? You know. And then yeah. if I did, it would be an invasion of privacy, right? I just think right. That he, he, you see, hyphenated Rhonda. Right. <laughs> it's like you can't even get all the letters right together. <laughs> and, and from the picture, it looks like there actually might have been something erased, like with a pencil and written back in. It, there's there's a smudge at the bottom of it. <laughs> I mean, okay, let, let's think of it this way. Okay, let's say you're like semi-literate, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe 20 or 30 words of uh, Swedish, right? And you, and you go to Sweden and get a job at a, at a flower shop. See, I can see this happening to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're all, you know, somebody calls in and is like, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out what they're saying and, you know. And literally, you're writing it down phonetically right. because you, you don't know all the words that they're saying. And so, the, yeah. the, the shop owner says, my employees are not Australian uh, speaking, Australian speaking. I think that's interesting you put it that way. So we can't expect them to uh, all spell properly. And then, and then he says, uh, wait, even wait some Australians can't spell properly. Well, I understand that, but he's saying that his employees are not Australian speaking. Yes. I mean, he got that many employees that are not from Australia? Apparently. They, they work cheap, I guess. <laughs> He's probably running a floral sweatshop. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, we supply flowers, good flowers. We are not card writers. If someone gives a message over the phone instead of coming in or sending a fax or email, I can't take responsibility. We're not a law firm. I don't employ people based on their education or spelling skills. I employ them if they are good florists. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Yeah, it honestly is. 
when in Rome <laughs> or Australia. Australia, as it were. Oh, okay. So make sure I got everything here. This one I'm calling a different kind of cavity search. <clears throat> um, a woman from <laughs> Bradenton. Oh, I didn't look at where's Bradenton. Florida. Florida. It's Florida. It's, it's Florida. It's I can tell you that right now. I know where Bradenton sure. is. Okay. So um, a Bradenton woman uh, was arrested uh, or actually pulled over. Okay. Uh, uh, let me, I'm trying to set this up right. Uh, Teresa DeMarco, 56. So this is not a super old woman, but by this the picture. This is another one. If you're in yeah. the chat room, you need to go take a look at this picture. They're saying this lady's 56. She looks like she's about 80. Yeah. She could easily be 493. I mean, she looks right. like the Crypt Keeper, Keeper's mom. Right. So um, she was driving uh, when a deputy stopped her for a loud muffler. Okay. When the deputy wow. spoke with uh, DeMarco and her passenger, Winchell, they appeared extremely nervous, quote unquote. The deputy gave her a written warning for the muffler and then searched the car, which you're allowed to do in Florida. If, uh, if once you've already pulled them over for something else, um, and found a, a hydromorphone pill where the passenger was seated. I don't know what hydromorphone is. Okay. Um, uh, Winchell, um, with the, de okay. Um, they, they got out of the car and were, were the, she was arrested. The, the, the passenger was arrested. So while she's being arrested, she decides to narc on her friend, and she told the deputy that DeMarco kept walking away from the car to destroy some crack cocaine that was, she was hiding more pills in her dentures. Nice. So when the deputy confronted DeMarco, she removed the pills from her dentures and swallowed them. What is it about eating cocaine? Well, yeah, I was going to say she didn't die, did she? Well, she's in the hospital at the moment. We <laughs> okay. Um, we don't. Yeah, know that, that that takes me back to the uh, the butt the crack, crack, crack and yeah. nut nuts <laughs> uh, episode. <laughs> so, so how do you hide pills in your dentures? I mean, do you are they hollowed out? Have you did you go take a you know a a, a black and decker and drill out the teeth so that there's room for them there? I, I've never seen hollow dentures before. I, you know, all I can think of is like uh, you kind of put them in that little cavity where your gums would fit into the dentures, you know, it's sort of they actually yeah. kind of stick down a little bit further. Yeah, but then, yeah, but then your saliva would ruin the pills, wouldn't it? Well, I would, yeah, I would, I would think over time. Yeah, uh, G. Duncan says the same thing, you know, above the plate of the denture. Uh, Element 905 in the chat room says the look of this woman alone should stop girls from wanting to do drugs. Yeah, she does look like one She's of those. Uh, yeah, where they show the crystal meth people yeah. like the before and after. Yeah, like yes, this woman is twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, they were booked um, in the jail, and then she was sent to the hospital, charged with possession of a controlled substance and being held on bond. So um, there you go. Dentures are, I mean, George Washington's got nothing on this woman. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. And this next one uh, seems like a pretty standard story. Uh, uh, in the UK, heroic police rescue a car from uh, a dog from a hot car. It's a hot, uh, hot day in the UK. Uh, a uh, concerned citizen 
alerts the police that there's a dog uh, in this uh, Mercedes uh, car. And the police come and they, they try to rouse the sleeping dog, try to bang on the window, try to get its attention. The dog doesn't doesn't respond. So they think it's probably passed out or dying or whatever. So they smash the window of a multi-thousand dollar car and rescue a stuffed toy dog worth about 20 bucks. <laughs> wow. That is great. And so what do they do? Do they man up? No, no. They leave a note on the broken window. <laughs> they leave a note. Sorry about that. That is Call so wrong. Precinct and we'll help you out. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, what can you do? I mean, that's all you can do at that point, right? Leave a note. On, I mean, that person could be, uh, you know, who knows where for hours. I, I, I don't know. I, you, I think you wait around for that one, honestly. I mean, you, you approach the guy and, and you got to come up with a better story. There was a baby and this truck was coming. And in the process, a nuclear bomb came and broke your window. Sorry about that. Uh, by the way, here's your dog. Um, yeah. right. no. Wow. And, and they have a picture in the article. And again, I'll, I'll put that uh, in the notes and, and here in the chat room for, for the people watching live. The dog doesn't even look all that realistic. Uh, it's, just, it's just a regular stuffed dog. But I guess the way it was seated, the, the windows Wait, were Wait, is that tinted. the actual dog, though? I don't uh, know if that's the actual. That looks like a stock photo. But the, the windows were tinted. And, uh, uh, you know, I guess they, they could tell. But uh, anyway... The, the police say the call was made in good faith and, uh, and in the UK, they're much, they're much more stringent about that. Uh, cruelty to animals is a, is a much bigger penalty than here is here in the U S. Uh, oh, so good. Yeah. So there you go. Police rescue dog from hot car. That's uh it's a good day. <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine those guys going back to the, uh, I don't know, the station or whatever. I mean, because <laughs> cops love to razz cops, by the way. Yeah. And so I can see they it already. Uh, for a long time. Right. They, uh, they're, they're never going to live that down. Remember 20 years ago when you did that? <laughs> Back when your dad was on the force, let me tell you what he did. Yeah, that's going to last for a while. Nice. Um, okay, so anybody here on this panel have an iPhone? <laughs> no no okay. no well uh when the iphone 4 came out uh one of the big things about it uh was th that it had a front-facing camera and this this wonderful new app called facetime that could sort of make video calls that were almost as good as skype but only to other people with iphones so it was really kind of a bust in a lot of ways well this story finally somebody found a good use for FaceTime. This is in uh, uh, Mengzi, China, Mengzi City. Um, a, a young boy fell down a 40-foot well, and the rescuers were trying to uh, get him out with a, with a safety or a, a rescue harness. And because he was too small, it was an adult harness, it, it kept falling off of him, kept slipping off of him. 
So somebody had the, the idea. We've got two iPhones here. Let's start up a FaceTime chat. Let's lower the phone down, and then we can see what we're doing. So ah. with one phone uh, on, the, on the rope, they lower it down. Another guy, uh, you know, looking at the other iPhone with a FaceTime chat, um, has a, a, is able to wrap him up properly, and then they pull him out. So that's your feel-good story for this week. The the boy was Yay. out. No wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So it actually it actually had a had a purpose, and uh, yeah, good thing. So, Sean, are you gonna go buy iPhone now? <laughs> no, no, I have Skype on my Android, and I'm very happy with that. <laughs> He's also very happy with his MacBook Pro. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Which I actually have my right hand on right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the, the frustrating thing, I know this means nothing to anybody out there, but uh, I, I'm running uh, two uh, two laptops at the same time to run the show. And uh, so I've got the MacBook on the right and the other one on the left. And going back and forth between those touchpads, is, it's disturbing almost because the operation is so different. So yeah. anyway. Okay, and this next one is just bizarre. Um, couple sue apartment management for their takeout food bill. This is in New York, and I, ha I, I have to admit I'm a little dubious about this one because it was released on April 1st. It, it was difficult this week doing news because, you know, I'm looking for unusual news, and, you know, the first day There was of the week, a flood was of April, April, yeah, April yeah. Fool's Day stuff. So, uh, but this was from United Press International. Um, a, a couple is suing their apartment building, the management company, for the money they spent on takeout food while their gas was turned off. Okay. So <laughs> just read it like that and you think, you know, maybe a weekend or something and, you know, it's 50 bucks or whatever. No, no. Um, <laughs> this wow. is thousands of dollars because the gas was off for more than 10 months. Wow. And all the uh, appliances in the apartment were uh, were gas, so they couldn't cook. Now, it's an apartment, right? So you can't just go out and get your own appliances. So they just decided they would eat out three meals a day, 21 times a week, apparently. Um, and so Dude, this, I'm just see I'm just seeing this. This is this is ridiculous. They they paid a fifty seven hundred dollar a month maintenance fee. Right. Well, they, it says later that they sold the apartment for four point four million dollars. So this is obviously an upscale uh, New York apartment. Yeah. So they're paying almost six thousand dollars a month for a maintenance fee. So over ten months, that's sixty thousand dollars they paid for maintenance. Who was where was that money going? What maintenance were they doing if their gas was out for ten months? Wow. No way. This has got to be, this has got to be April fool's joke. <laughs> There's no way. It, you know, I, I did my due diligence on it and it looks, yeah. it looks real, but it doesn't look real all at the same time. Well, and I've never heard of the UPI doing, I mean, they're like prestigious journalism, you know, they, yeah. they don't do stuff like that. I don't think, but you gotta be kidding me! Now I can't. I don't see in the article where they're saying how much they're suing for, but I wouldn't be suing for my takeout bill. Yeah, I I'd be. No, no. It says right here twenty-seven thousand dollars. They're suing right. for twenty-seven thousand dollars for takeout. So, takeout must be expensive in New York. That's uh, 
That's $2,700 a month on, on food. I would be suing for my $60,000 maintenance back. Right. Exactly. Wow. I'd sue for both. Yeah. But, you know, when the apartment's worth $4.4 million, I mean, these people have money, clearly. That's just crazy. Yeah, I would I would think somebody that that's a, that is that affluent wouldn't have waited that long before suing or doing something. Well, you know, I'm sure they weren't just sitting around. You know, I'm sure they were complaining and probably getting fed line after line after line. Uh, UPI said they couldn't. Uh, uh, they tried to contact the management and they they were refused to comment. So that's just a little bizarre. That's a lot bizarre. Yeah. Okay. See, all the crazy people don't live in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's still that's that's still on the fridge. Yeah, that's, that's New York. That's rich and crazy right there. And yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, we're still, it's a bay town. There's near water. Yeah, you draw a line around the outside of the United States. That's where all these things happen. <laughs> it's the water. It's got to be what it is. It's got to be the ocean front. Okay, now well, here's, here's another good one. Um, please tell me this is Florida. Please tell me this is Florida because I don't remember. Oh, where are we going? Are we going? So. This is uh, what an ID. Um, okay, wait. Let me see. I got a Vero Beach. Yes, I was Very right. Cool. Vero Beach, Florida. <laughs> okay, so uh, apparently th this is not. This wasn't a call or anything. This was just a, a policeman who happened to be nearby and saw heard breaking glass and saw what a, appeared to be a clearly um, altered couple of people who, who were you know inebriated or intoxicated or messed up in some way uh so it was um uh, susan stickle 31 and 44 40 44 year old eric bachman were on the porch they had just broken some glass they they looked to be intoxicated and uh, uh <laughs> the quote was clearly had no regard for the community in which they were located uh so the deputy um separated them uh, and told the woman to put her hands on the car um, and <laughs> said that she hugged the, the, the woman hugged the man and started yelling, quote, yelled slurred expletives. Uh, when the deputy asked her, this is, this is my favorite part. When the deputy asked her name, she said, I don't have any ID and took her shirt off showing the tattoos on her breasts as identification. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's some identification right there. I guess that wow. would be two forms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what does she do when she goes to the movie theater and wants to see an R-rated movie? Wow. What does she do when she goes to the liquor store and she needs to... Uh... Apparently she gets a lot of free liquor. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what happens when they go to fingerprinter. <laughs> wow okay i just, i i'm speechless <laughs> yeah. so uh no but the, it gets even better so the the tattooed on her breast is a poem called poem of the dead tree um and uh and here's here's another good part bachman the man it was actually his house and he didn't tell anybody. They he let them arrest him instead of admitting what? that it was his house and he was supposed to be there with that woman. Uh, but yeah, the neighbors later said, "Yeah, that he's 
he, it's his he house. lives there. He lives here. <laughs> it just gets Vero Beach. If you want weird stuff, go to Vero Beach. Man, that's that's just odd. Uh, I wouldn't believe that one either, but that's not April Fool's. And it's from Florida, so I'll pretty much believe anything (laughs) I hear coming out of that state at this point. (laughs) Oh, so, yeah, I, you know, it it might be a good thing to be uh, at a restaurant when she orders alcohol and you ask to see ID. That could be a a good thing. (laughs) Uh, Although from the pictures, she's not, you know. No. Did anybody post that link in the chat room? Uh, I didn't. I didn't put it up. Let me do that real quick so that people can can see. That. No, it's okay. There's there's not a picture. <laughs> there's not a picture of her ID. <laughs> okay, and this this may be my favorite headline of the night, and I'm calling it "The Grass Is Always Greener When You Steal It From Someone Else's Lawn." Uh, so, a, a homeowner, a 54 year old Steve Wolno, uh, of uh, um, the UK wakes up in the morning and his lawn is gone. Gone. Not there. He has no lawn. There is dirt where the lawn used to be. Uh, so <laughs> apparently he doesn't like to mow grass and he had AstroTurf put down on his front yard. So somebody in the middle of the night, sometime overnight on March 19th, showed up with trucks and heavy equipment and, and I'm from Texas. I know AstroTurf. I know football, right? I've been around this stuff. It is heavy. And yes. It's, and it's usually a big pad underneath it that's even more heavy. So um, somebody, it had to be a team of people and a large truck, just took his entire lawn. How bizarre is that? I mean, you, you wake up in the morning, you get your coffee, you stretch, you walk out to the front door to get your paper, and it's not there. The lawn right. is not there. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna do with that? How do you move? You know, if you're a thief, how do you move a stolen lawn? Why do you move a stolen lawn? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I you know, one, I've never had to purchase the stuff, so I've got to imagine it's kind of pricey, especially if it's that uh, what they've got in the Cowboy Stadium, that real turf stuff. Right, here's uh, the bad part of the evening: he should have fenced it so that the guy wouldn't be fencing it now. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> How do you explain what you're doing if somebody comes by? <laughs> At two in the morning. We're the laundry service. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been, uh, yeah, they're repossessing it or something, you know, that's, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the repo man comes. I wonder if that's something that's common in the UK for them to have AstroTurf lawns. <laughs> Because that would be like blasphemy here in Texas, right? I mean, this is like oh, yeah. land Hank of barbecues and lawns. I mean, Hank Hill would not put up with a fake lawn, right? Oh, <laughs> but I just how do you call that in? Uh, yeah, I'd like to report a theft. All right, sir, what's missing? My yard, right? Well, a yard of what? A yard of fabric? No, my yard. <laughs> what? What's missing? My lawn. Okay, so it was on the lawn. No, my lawn is missing. Right. Okay. See, being being from Texas, that was the first thing I was thinking. Is somebody actually came in with a front end loader and just scraped up all the side. Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking too. When when I saw the headline, I was thinking, okay, somebody came in, yeah, took all that sod. Wow. 
Okay. I'm just, oh. How tired was he when he went to sleep that he didn't hear something? <laughs> exactly. I mean, how, did, how do you steal that much yard, nine square meters a yard, yeah, 30, and not make a sound? So it's a pretty, pretty small area. So like maybe three feet by 10 feet. That, or, or yeah, that would be 30 uh, uh, square feet, nine square meters. So it's not a huge, it's a little, you know, little front like apartment. Little thing. patch or something. But it's still going to weigh several hundred pounds. Okay. Are we done with that one? Yes, I think so. So my next one, and this is uh, this is a story that is bizarre in an entirely different way. Uh, a woman currently faces jail time for having her two children baptized. Um, she, okay, this is this is interesting. Yeah. Okay, I got to tell you right now, um, this is the other side of the county line from us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this this lady's right. like really, really close. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So it's Element OP with our local reporter Chuck right. Jolly reporting from Tennessee. <laughs> this is in Shelby County, which is in Memphis, which is the the county on the other side of the state line from us. Okay. So, um, the uh, the parents are divorced. Uh, the man is a, 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 a Presbyterian, and the woman is a Methodist. Uh, I think I got that right. One, one's Presbyterians, one's Methodist. Um, the Methodists, uh, yeah, so it had to be the woman who was Methodist. The Methodists uh, uh, have a longstanding history of of child and infant baptism. Um, the uh, the parents, when they were married, couldn't agree to do that, Don. She wanted to do it. He didn't. They went to counseling over it even. Uh, they couldn't agree on it. Uh, so when they were divorced, uh, and it doesn't say whether... Uh, who has custody. But after the d divorce was settled, she went and had her children, uh, five years old and seven years old, baptized. The father found out about it and said that that was uh, contrary to the court agreement in which they decided that all major decisions would be made uh, jointly with the all major decisions uh, regarding religion. That was actually in their uh, divorce agreement would be made jointly with the father. So uh, right. he he felt that that's a major decision to have the kids done and that uh, they don't, that, 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 that age, they don't understand what baptism is and it shouldn't be happening. So he is pressing and it's really the only thing you can do in the case of a divorce agreement. It's not really a law. It's just an agreement. Um, he's pressing for contempt of court charges for having done that. And the judge at this point is uh, supporting that is, is uh, um, agreeing that she is in contempt of court. And so she could she could spend up to twenty days in jail for uh, having her kids share her religious beliefs. That's a that boy. That's a tough one. That is a really tough one. I don't know how you figure that out. I mean, the contempt of court thing is pretty probably pretty straightforward. Um, if they had an order that said that that's what you're supposed to do, and she violated it, I mean, it doesn't matter if it said you know uh, the order says that uh, they both can't have the kids jump a rope i don't know you know if it's a court order it's a court court order yeah so the the judge the lawyers are arguing her lawyer is arguing that that uh comes dangerously close dangerously close to uh, uh government mandating of religious practices and he's got uh, a good point there well yeah but you can't see that's the problem though the government can't rule in that in any way shape or form Right. And not be, you know, because you, you, 
you know, there's no case for uh, for the law going either way there. I mean, uh, they both have their religious beliefs, and if you side with one, then you're not siding with the other, you know? Um, so I could see, I mean, I could see both sides of that, right? The mother thinks that her children, if they die before they get baptized, they're going to hell. Yeah, and the, something and the, like that, certainly. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly understand they both probably fervently believe what they believe. Uh, but uh, I guess the court did exactly. That's all the court can do, right? The court can just say, I mean, the court didn't even say that. That was an agreement that the right. court just basically signed off on and said and ordained it, so to speak, and said, this is the deal. You've agreed to it. Now you both got to live by it. And she didn't. Yeah, so but, that's really what, what it comes down to. What's interesting to me there is uh, for there to be contempt of court, there has to be some way for you to, to, to no longer be in contempt of court. And, and how does she unbaptize her kids? It's done. Well, no, that's not really the case. If, if you walk up to any judge sitting on, on the, uh, the judge throne. <laughs> the bench. The bench. The bench. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it, I guarantee you, Mark, if you walk up to a judge in Texas and told him to go F himself, uh, you're going to be found in contempt of court. And you can't take that one back. Yeah. It's already been done. So anyway, I, I, that's, um, I, I think in this case, it is the courts doing exactly what the court should do. She did violate an agreement and right. whether it's religious in nature or not, they agreed to it. Right. Right. Yeah. So that, that's interesting though. It, it got me thinking. Chuck, what so, do you think? This is your neighborhood. What do you think? Well, other than the fact that I'm also Methodist, I don't. I don't understand what he's mad about. I, 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 because I have thought exactly the same thing. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then it doesn't mean anything to you. Let it go. Well, the Methodist Church is very um, open as far as we accept baptism from any other faith. We don't care where it came from. To us, a baptism is a baptism, whether it's you were baptized Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, or whatever. It makes no difference. His argument is not the fact that they got baptized. It's the fact that they were trying to select the what age should they be baptized at. Right. Most of them in our church, if they come in, they're baptized as babies. Right. And he doesn't. Do, Presbyterians don't believe in that. We we Baptists also don't accept that as valid. Baptism has to be a choice made after you're you know old enough to have made that choice. So this is a deeply held religious belief for both of them. And you know, and something they couldn't. Now I think it's a little low class on the woman. I'll be honest with you. Because um, yeah. the, they couldn't agree with this while they were married. And then after their divorce, she goes and does it, you know, like anyway. on a weekend or whatever. Yeah, you know, but I got to agree with Chuck, too, though. I mean, if I'm the father, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, that basically means nothing to me. Right. Um, I'll have them baptized again when I feel it's the right time. Yeah, see, my personal view would be, okay, they went swimming. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, had no, it had no religious significance. Actually, yeah. they, don't, they don't do that in the Methodist church, do they? It was probably a sprinkling. Yeah, yeah right. Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but it, you know, to Sean's point of Father saying, well, I'll just have him baptized again, doesn't the Methodist church uh, frown on a second baptism no matter where it comes from? No. No, it, it's uh, that's more specific to um, more offshoots of that. Uh, what 
most of it appears to me is he's just be he's being being petty is what it is. Well, he's are. being pity about it. He's just trying to be vindictive about this because that's you're talking about something that's very, very minor. And you know, we, we have a Presbyterian right. in the chat room who says that they do infant baptism in the Presbyterian church as well. So uh, it sounds like it's not even a, a, a denominational thing. It's just a him thing. Right. And um, as Element 905 says, in that Methodist church, you can actually be sprinkled or submerged, whichever, whatever your choice is. Most of the time it's sprinkled, but if you request uh, immersion, that's what they'll do because we do have um, – you have to go someplace else to have it done because right. we don't have baptismals in our churches. They don't build them in there. Most of the time it's done at like a, a lake or a river or something like that. It doesn't say it says both of them are raised, but it doesn't say if the children if they actually attend church that often. Yeah. Because it would seem like me they would be going to church every other weekend at a different place, and that would be more of a confusion for the kids than it would be whether they got baptized or not. Yeah, I think it's just a case of uh using the divorce agreement to get your ex wife in trouble. Yeah. That's what it sounds like yeah. to me. I, I agree. <laughs> And and you're a man who knows about divorce agreements. Yeah, right. I've been, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I've been there. And, uh, yeah, the the church thing is. Uh, I don't know. I you know I haven't really been faced with like differences in faith. So, uh, but yeah, I can say that people going through divorce sometimes they can do some really crazy stuff just just to be vindictive. Yeah, I, I uh, usually it's the other possible. way around. Usually it's the woman that's more vindictive. <laughs> okay. uh, whoa, whoa, that's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's no, the next I'm, story, just, Mark? I'm just saying, you know, like guys, uh, you'll hear more. Like if a guy's going to go off the deep end, it's going to be like violent, you know, and, and the, these sneaky kind of get at you moves and, and get you in trouble or arrested it would be more classic of a woman. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming uh, from a man. <laughs> okay, so moving right along. Uh, this, this this uh, story I'm calling pushing up parsley, because um, it's not Daisy. Um, <clears throat> Barbara Scott was married to Benny Scott, and when Benny Scott died in January, she buried him in the herb garden in the backyard, and didn't tell anybody. Not only did she not tell anybody he had died, she didn't tell anybody you know, where he was. So when people called, he was either, uh, apparently they have two homes, uh, one in Florida and another in Oklahoma. So yeah, this was in Florida. Uh, so uh, when somebody would call, she would either say, he's not here, he's at our property in Oklahoma, or he's got a, a, a throat infection and uh, can't, uh, can't talk right now. For three months. And uh, wow. finally, finally, the, her daughter c c called her on the carpet about it, and she confessed that, yeah, uh, my husband died, and I buried him under the Arb Garden. <laughs> she took police that, to where he was, and they exhumed the body. That's a very resilient 64-year-old lady. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's I mean, to move a body outside and then bury it by yourself, that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I got to give her a pat on the back for that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like she killed the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they're, that's what they're saying. They're not, uh, um, the cause of death was not immediately apparent. They say, because he was pretty heavily decomposed after three months. Uh, 
No charges have been filed. Uh, he was buried about four feet down. So she dug a big, deep hole, drug a body into it, dropped it off there, covered it up, and made it look like she was just planting an herb garden. Yeah. Okay. Maybe she, maybe she thought he had dissed enough fertilizer already and kind of need a little more there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she could honestly say, hey, where's, where's granddad? Oh, he's out in the garden. <laughs> huh you know that is a, i think it is a crime though like fail, oh, totally, failing totally. to to report a death yeah something like that of course this is florida i mean who knows <laughs> what the <laughs> <one's down there. laughs> um yeah it, apparently anything goes in florida uh, yeah yeah okay and this last one is just it's just weird, all right? It's gross, and it's weird, but in the same sort of bizarre way that you just can't, you have to admire it. I'm calling this one, I Am Urine Man. <laughs> oh, That's a joke no. right there. No, there's yeah. a picture of a toilet. Please yes, don't. There's a toilet. Yeah. Okay. Where's so, this going? <laughs> this, urine, an Iron Man visage made entirely of urine, the artist's urine, wins an art competition. What? Wins an art competition. It's t the title of it is simply Face of Iron Man Made of Real Urine. So, um, the yeah, they want the chat room wants to know if this is Florida. Let's, let's see. <laughs> yeah, this, this is Taiwan. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Taiwanese uh, man. Uh, the story is just bizarre. Okay. So he's taking a leak one day and there's blood in his urine. And instead of um, uh, thinking, let me call the cops. He goes, Hey, that makes some interesting shapes. And so he, <laughs> by concoct, by eating different things, uh, like pigments, he eats paint. Essentially. He figures out a way to color his own urine, but he's, so he, he experiments with this for, for a while, he figures out he can make different colors of urine. So he's a big Iron Man fan. He goes and finds a toilet that's roughly the shape of Iron Man's head, um, then colors some urine and pees in layers to get everything right. And then the eyes, this is this is bizarre, the eyes are spit. So he spits and the and the spit floats in the urine, and that becomes the eye slits. But but it sinks after a while. So for the whole time of the judging, he had to be standing over it spitting periodically to remake the eye slits in Iron Man's mask. That is disturbing. Yeah, it, uh, the story says that the art uh, literally stunk up the place. <laughs> we have stale urine, right? right? But there were 600 other, uh, uh, other entries that this one won. The, it beat out all the others. Um. And there's a quote in there that says, uh, obviously, um, where'd it go? Uh, yeah, it says, although it literally stunk up the place during competition, the blood and urine Iron Man actually managed to beat all the other 600 entries and win the art prizes. Apparently, the judges were very impressed with, the, with his idea, saying, quote, it's breaking of traditional art. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty... Easy to say. Wow. I'm getting the link for the chat room right <laughs> now. This is. Oh, I just hit, didn't hit enter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Wow. 
Okay, I the, 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 only an artist, right? So first off, if I ever see blood in my urine, my first call is going to be to the doctor, not to the paint store to buy pigments to see if what colors I can make it. And so I have to assume he practiced this, right? That did. Yeah. From the looks of it, it doesn't look like he could transport it. So did he create it on site? So he sets it up there. Oh, uh, the, yeah. In the like maybe he had to set up like a curtain around it or something yeah. while he's. <laughs> and so he goes and drinks, you know, a, a, a beer and with a paint chaser to get his urine red and then pees right. around the outside. I, it's wrong in every way. And it was rewarded with the grand prize. <laughs> And you can't preserve it. I mean, there's only one thing you can do with that after it's done. Maybe he was we feeling hope. flush after the war. Right. Oh. I guess wow. next year he'll do Iron Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> Show title. Show title. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that wow. was worth the whole show, Chuck. That right there. <laughs> yeah. I told you, this is the highlight of my night. <laughs> the whole week, right here. <laughs> <sighs> oh, please tell me we don't have that next year to report on. <laughs> I mean, you can officially say now the show's in the toilet. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. Yeah. laughs> What would what would would one of our shows be without somebody taking a crap? And we, we we've done that twice tonight already. We we started off with that and we ended with it, didn't we, Mark? Did you did you plan that? I did actually. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, but I, there's one more story that Chuck put in there. Uh, and I, I want to do it because it's it's a it's a feel good story. Yes, it's, it is. That's a good one to end on. Um, so uh, Chuck, I'm just going to let you take this one since you brought it up. I was reading um, website Major Geeks in uh, Florida. Thing. By the way, oh my goodness, yes, yeah. it's a Florida story because I don't know where the guy is, but because everything he has Florida stories anywhere else constantly. in the United States. <laughs> I swear to God, I do not go looking for Florida stories. It just works out that way. Okay, but this okay, is a good one. Sure. But just right, it's a feel-good story. It's a um, lady is where's she's ninety-three, 93 year old, old Orlando right. grandmother is she's stepping away. She has macular degeneration in both eyes and had to give up driving a nineteen sixty-four Mercury Comet Calente that has five hundred and seventy-six thousand miles on it. And uh, I like her quote down here. Let's see. It says, she's a retired nurse who told Fox News in July of 2009 the car had outlasted three marriages, three sets of shocks, and she last drove in March 9th. The following day, she was she had macular was, let's see, the following day, her, her worst, worst fears, fears were, confirmed. were confirmed when she couldn't read large headlines. And she decided that at that point she couldn't drive anymore. Yeah, so she says, I know I'm not safe to drive, uh, but I have taken it in stride. So she's she's selling it. There's nothing wrong with it. It didn't die on her. It still runs. 576,000 miles. Now, who says Detroit can't make a good car? Um, yeah, that's amazing. 
She says she bought the vehicle in 1964 for $3,000, and uh, the, the car is currently uh, appraised value is $12,000. So it's gone through 18 batteries, eight mufflers, countless oil changes, and three husbands. Wow. Okay. So no more commentary on that, I guess. I, it, what's more <laughs> amazing there, the car or the woman? To, to take care of a car that that it says she's almost obsessive about it uh, easily the woman yeah yeah but you know I, i'm guessing i mean it, once you get past like what probably 10 15 years then you're going to obsess about it i mean at some point there's gonna you're gonna have that relationship here's a great quote um i've uh oh, i just lost it when i was doing it. here we go um I've never, never been a destructive yeah. person and I've just taken care of everything except my husband's. <laughs> wow. Did she say how she was going through the husband? So <laughs> she buries him in the herb garden. Yeah, I wonder, I was going to ask, does she have an herb garden? <laughs> oh, she, uh, she went on the tonight show with Jay Leno uh, back at August of 2010 for for that very car and she said she might consider selling it to him well like it's down here at the bottom the nice thing just to think about the last the last time she bought a car gas was 39 cents a gallon lyndon b johnson was in the white house and the little old lady from pasadena was ruling the radio <laughs> great song yeah, it says, uh, ask if any of her four children, nine grandchildren, or 11 great-grandchildren have expressed interest in the car. Uh, Vach responded, it wouldn't matter if they did. They're not going to get it. They couldn't take oh. care of it like Oh. Yeah, they couldn't take care of it like I did. Wow. That's her baby. She's, she's right, though. Yeah, absolutely. Although, I don't know. Come on. I mean, she's 94, so what? She's got uh, children, and even her grandchildren are probably in their 50s. I mean, surely somebody in there would have some sort of appreciation for that yeah. car. That's well, a great the best, story. The best appreciation she's going to find is, is if Jay Leno actually buys it. Yeah, or a museum somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, GM should buy that car back from her. Why would GM want to buy it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Mercury. <laughs> Come on. I'm multitasking here. I'm doing a lot of different things. Right. Right. I yeah. They have the easy part, right? Yeah. I think they should buy that back from her and put it in, you know, their museum. Surely they have a museum somewhere. And that's got to be the oldest on record, right? Uh, the, the longest car. I mean, it's got to be. I've, well, I don't know. I know the uh, at least a few years ago, the world record was a, a Mercedes. For number of miles? I'm not talking age. I'm talking miles. Well, I mean, it was over a million. I mean, I think it was similar, similarly aged. Wow. Um, oh, you, you, well, there's I mean, a lot there's, of cars out there that are hitting millions of miles. Okay. Miles is even close. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm more impressed than I should be. The thing, look at the, look at the picture. I mean, the car looks immaculate. The picture of her in it driving the car. Uh, I mean, it's that's a clean car. Yeah, it's still an impressive story. I I think if it's a guy, we're not nearly as impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy, though. I don't know if it would have been taken care of that long. 
Well, no, but you know, everybody also knows though the 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 guy who's just like obsessive about his car, and you know, he's a gearhead or whatever. Uh, that's not as unique as uh, the fact that this is a woman. All right, so that's that's a good way to end it. Uh, so we didn't end on anything like prostitution or urine or feces. So uh, I feel better about that. Um, <laughs> So let's just go uh, go around the horn and tell people where they can contact you, and uh, and then we'll go from there. So Chuck, we'll start with you. Uh, I am Nightstar on uh, Twitter. Nightstar, okay. Yes, Jim. Uh, Jim Beeson on Twitter. Jim Beeson. John. Oh, let's see. Well, uh, you can, and I'm going to hijack uh, some of what Mark will say, but of course you can go over to elementop.com and uh, find many ways to contact both me and Mark. Uh, it's Sean TX on Twitter or facebook.com slash Sean Keibel. Um, and uh, Sean at elementop.com, which is probably the best way to reach me if you have like any show ideas, um, uh, comments, whatever you want to get to us. Uh, just shoot me an email and uh, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. All right. And my name is Mark Cockrell. You can find me at Mark Cockrell on Twitter. Uh, I have a blog I don't do anymore <laughs> at markcockrell.com. <laughs> but the, All right. the, the place where you can actually find where I'm doing stuff. What, what do you know? I do th- I do a few podcasts. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, and you can find those at elementop.com. <clears throat> and we look forward to your feedback there. Uh I think four of the stories tonight were from listeners uh, submitted that. I love that. Keep keep it up. So uh, uh, contact us over at uh, elementop.com. There's a contact link there. There's a, also a, a, a periodic table forum. And you can contact us there. Give us ideas. Give us feedback. Give us uh, show titles. You know, anything along those lines. And uh, just we, we covet your feedback. We'd like to know you're out there and that you care. And that, in the words of Sally Fields, you like us. You really like us. So, uh, thanks for being with us, everybody. And that ends this episode of The Periodic Table.